Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Can you cut your tax bill legally and all above bought? We look at 15 ways you can slim next year's bill. Are you in an abusive relationship with your wealth manager? Breaking up can be hard to do, but Lee Goggin of findawealthmanager.com says it might be in your best interests. And can robots actually help you save more and spend less? Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast on personal finance and investing. I'm Hugo Greenhouch, the FT's wealth correspondent, and I'll be giving you this week's money news in downloadable form. Now, tempting as it is, while personal finance editor Claire Barrett is away, to turn our attention to the fun bits of being the wealth correspondent, by which I mean the yachts, the private jets, and taking tea with billionaires, of course. Today we're going to talk about something much more important, tax, and more specifically, how to legally cut your bill. I'm joined in the FT studio by Vanessa Holder, who covers tax for the FT, and Chris Groves, partner at Withers, the law firm. Vanessa, starting with you, tell us a few of the ways you can cut your tax bill identified in your piece. One of the big themes at the moment is the importance of officially sanctioned relief. The world of tax planning changed an awful lot, and the era of clever little schemes is pretty much over. So there's a lot of focus on these quite mundane reliefs blessed by government. But these really can be potentially very generous, so they're well worth looking at. You know, if you add up all the allowances, savings income, dividend income, capital gains, the personal income tax allowance, and then maybe you add a rent-a-room um, tax break to that, and maybe some of the new tax breaks for uh, coming in in April for eBay trading and Airbnb, well, it adds up to not much short of £40,000 that you can have free of tax. And that's before you look at pensions, charitable giving and ISAs, which are also going to become more generous in April. So there's some quite straightforward ways of cutting your bills. And there are also some which are sometimes overlooked. And one here I would mention is inheritance tax. Everybody knows that you can give stuff away so long as you live seven years, there won't be an inheritance tax charge. But what's often forgotten is that there's an exemption for regular giving. If you can establish a pattern of gifts, so long as you can prove that it doesn't hit your standard of living, they'll be tax-exempt right from the start. 
Now, none of this sounds a lot of fun, and it certainly can't rival your drinking tea with billionaires. Well, not, are, not, not every day. <laughs> but there are one or two things which are quite fun. If you're a classic car enthusiast, you'll find that uh, the capital gains you may make on selling cars, um, those will be free of capital gains tax, as long as you don't do it too often. And property enthusiasts, well, you can make a lot of money buying and selling your property, and so long as it's your main residence, it will be free of capital gains tax, and that is a very big tax break. Yes, we've, we've been here before when it comes to property flipping in particular. Certainly it brings back memories of the MP's expenses scandal. Is it actually allowed? Yes, the MP's expenses scandal. Well, they tighten up the rules a bit after that. Just in case you've forgotten, this is 2009. MPs saved huge amounts of tax by nominating different properties as their main residences and so taking advantage of that tax relief for your principal primary residence. So they have tightened up the rules a bit, but from a technical point of view, flipping does still work. And if you buy a property, you have two years in which you can elect which property is your main residence. So if you've got more than one property, that gives you a bit of flexibility. And the tax rules also give you an 18-month grace period, which allows you to claim an extra period free of capital gains tax, even if it's no longer your main residence. So quite a few benefits there. Chris, let's come to you now, looking at incorporation or using a corporate structure to reduce tax seems to be the, the big trend right now. Just how common is it and what sort of people are actually using it? I think it's becoming increasingly common. The sorts of people we're seeing using it are people who have assets they can put aside, assets they can invest for their future, that they don't need to live off at the moment, the income of which they can accumulate. What people are seeking to do is to take advantage of the historic low in the corporation tax rates to fund companies use them as investment vehicles, and see the returns accrue to those companies and only be taxed at the corporation tax rate, 20% now, going down to 17% over the next few years, as opposed to 45% income tax or assets held in their own name. One would imagine in that case this is perhaps more appropriate for wealthier uh, investors or wealthier people per se. It's certainly the case because you'll have to pay tax when you take the money out of the company that it makes more sense the benefits are greater for people who can afford to lock away assets for a long period. Now, now the wealthy have other concerns than just mitigating tax. They also care about their reputation. And obviously, we've been talking about various means to sort of minimise, to uh, cut your tax bill, all of which are legally watertight. But what about the reputational risk involved? I think that's a very real concern for a lot of people, particularly people in the public eye, who want to be seen to be complying with the, the spirit of legislation as much as the letter of the law to ensure they seem to be doing what's right as opposed to simply what's legal. Could any of this change? We've, we've gone through the kind of the ways, uh, whys and wherefores and what we could do, but there's been a lot of kind of retrospective action recently, certainly by HMRC, to claw back bits and bobs of, of various laws that now are deemed perhaps uh, somewhat, well, seen in different light, shall we say, from how they were five, ten years ago. Could any of these loopholes disappear, do you think? I think what we've seen over the last five to ten years is not so much a change with HMRC, but a lot of the 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 tax schemes that we had seen coming through not being unwound by by the revenue, but by the courts to say they simply didn't work in the first place. At the same time, the revenue has and the government have put in their general anti-abuse rule, which is intended to to protect the revenue from schemes that seek to exploit it, where perhaps the legislation isn't quite as clear as it is it should be. 
So the, the environment in which this planning has certainly changed. I think, again, it's important to understand why tax reliefs exist. So we have Enterprise Investment Scheme to encourage investment into smaller companies. I think you, when you're planning, and people who are doing this kind of planning need to be able to plan for the long term, they need to understand why they're able to take advantage of these rules. And if you're complying with the spirit, with the policy objective of a tax break, it's much more likely to be sustainable. And I think that's uh, actually an important point to end on. There are positives about uh, tax breaks. It's not just one pool of kind of dodginess about people evading tax. It is about mitigating for positive purposes as well. Thank you very much there to the FT's uh, Vanessa Holder and Chris Groves, partner at Withers. You can read this week's cover feature, 15 Ways to Legally Reduce Your Tax Bill, online from Friday at ft.com forward slash money or in the FT Weekend newspaper on sale from Saturday. Wealth management fees have been under the microscope recently, particularly for people wishing to leave their manager and seek a better deal elsewhere. But is it worth the hassle? And, more importantly, can you get a better deal elsewhere without being hit by punitive charges for leaving? Lee Goggin is co-founder of findawealthmanager.com and joins me now in the studio. Lee, you've just done some research that shows we're getting more and more unhappy with our wealth managers. Yes, Hugo, that's right. The number of affluent individuals unhappy with their wealth manager is rising. The proportion of disgruntled wealth management clients visiting Find a Wealth Manager rose from 5% to 19% in 2016. Over the past year, we've seen a big increase in the number of dissatisfied clients seeking a better partner to manage their wealth. These numbers should serve as a wake-up call for those wealth management firms that are failing to live up to client expectations on fees, performance and service. I see this trend continuing into 2017 because clients are ever more discerning. Yes, people are getting cannier, aren't they, in terms of how to move their money around. But OK, so I'm thinking of leaving. But is there any way for me to do so without getting whacked by high exit charges? Well, that's a very good point. And recent media coverage has focused on punitive exit charges levied by some investment managers. But this is very much the exception rather than the rule. Instead, you can expect reasonable and transparent costs of doing business, and sometimes the new firm may even cover those costs, particularly for larger, more complex portfolios. But we seek for these fees to be reasonable and not to be a material barrier to exit. So, so that's quite useful to know in that case. So the bigger your portfolio, the more leverage you have about getting people to pick up your fees. I, I think that's right. Yes, that's uh, unfortunately life. So when it comes down to it, it's service, it's fees, it's performance. Yes. If all of these things are better elsewhere, then just move. You need to take your time to decide what's right for you, but you have to ask yourself the question, are you happy with your current provider? And if the answer to that is no, you start looking elsewhere. Lee, that's a very good point, and thank you very much for joining us. You can read the article, written by me indeed, online from tomorrow and in the weekend paper's FT Money section. Now, robots, we are told, will eventually put us all out of our jobs and eventually rule the world. Well, that's the far, far future, hopefully. But in the meantime, could they actually help you save more and spend less? Amy Williams, reporter on FT Money, has been looking into this for us. Amy, thanks for joining us. So tell us, how does it all work? A couple of very clever coders have come up with the idea that if they can see your bank statements, they can write little bits of code that will work out how much you're spending and when and on what and how much you could be saving. So there are two new apps that have launched quite recently called Plum and Chip is the other one um, that 
get access to your bank statements and look at them. So they start off with three months of your bank statements and then they check them sort of every month and work out how much you could be saving. And then they take that money out of your bank account and put it in a savings account. So it's really just a basic robo budget. It is. And it's very it's very clever because it actually works out when you've spent more than you usually spend or when you've spent less than you've usually spent. And it takes money into your savings account accordingly. So sometimes it will take a, a larger or smaller amount depending on what you've been up to. So if you've splurged on pizzas, it will take less money. Uh, if you've had a quiet week, it will take more money. And, and the idea is that you won't really notice it will take small amounts. Um, so you're saving painlessly. There's a question here about laziness, surely. I mean, you could do this yourself, couldn't you? Well, the thing is that people don't and people especially don't transfer you know a pound or two pounds or whatever it is that that the app will take uh, into their savings account because nobody has time for that and we're all busy eating pizza that's true we do love a good pizza looking at the other concern though it's about security and sharing of data now we're supposed to be kind of everybody has access to our data nowadays and we're all fine with it but but are there any dangers that this is another opportunity for our data to be sold on a siberian website somewhere So I wouldn't want to comment on these two apps in particular, but personally, I feel a little bit squeamish about um, startup apps being able to read my bank data. So one of these apps did tell me that they don't store your data at all. They only have read-only access. So they're running their code over your bank statements, but not pulling the data onto their servers. Nonetheless, there have been a couple of um, big consultancies, so um, PwC and Accenture, have both warned that with the trend of banks providing access to tech startups, there, there could be new risks of data leaks. We have seen the future and it is robotic. Well, thank you very much to Amy Williams, FT reporter. You can read her feature in the money section of FT Weekend on sale from Saturday or online at ft.com forward slash money. That's all from The Money Show this week. If you've got a story you'd like the FT Money team to follow up or a question to pose to our team of financial experts, get in touch. Email us at money at ft.com, tweet us at at FT Money, or comment on our articles online at ft.com forward slash money. We'll be back next Thursday at the usual time. Goodbye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.